Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes, and what an absolute glorious time to be a whitetail hunter. We got my personal favorite stretch coming right down the pipe here, the 25th through the 1st of November. So many big bucks daylight and on scrapes. Just absolute money time to be in the woods. And with this cold front coming, my golly, boys, it's going to get rowdy out there early. Um, I've already had some really good sets this year. I'm looking forward to this time. Popping off the vacation right here in the middle of this series. So I'm going to be coming at you every single day during the Rutcation uh, podcast. You know that's coming down the pipe. But this week, we talk with my good buddy, Brian Douglas. Brian is an absolute buck slayer from way back. Been killing slammers on public land for years. Um, killed a booner on public last year. Um, just an absolute killer die guy. He owns Good Sit Mobile. Um, if you're um, interested in some trail camera accessories, GoPro accessories, or stuff like that, bow hooks, you can check that out. Um, but we dive deep into this week of the season and why Brian Brian loves this week and why I also love this week. Um, get jacked up, guys. The time that we've been waiting for literally all year is right in front of our faces, and it's time to rip. Um, before we get into the episode, you guys know that i got to hit the people that make this possible, and I'm excited to announce some new stuff with you guys. Um, but first, got to get to the bread and butter, the people that have been with me forever, five years. Exodus Outdoor Gear. Last week we spoke about the Exodus Vault. If you missed that, I want to touch base on it one more time. So, um, the Exodus Vault is a place to look for significant savings on their website at exodusoutdoorgear.com. So, the best savings of the year are going to be in the Exodus Vault. Um, the Exodus Vault will feature some of your favorite products or Exodus gear you haven't considered checking out, varying from limited run products to last chance savings on customer favorite products. Right now, the render and the SD card slot holder is in there. 
Um, right now in the Exodus Vault, you can save 95 bucks on an Exodus render. Um, that is the best deal that they've ever had on the render. Um, you can get a very, very high-end cell cam with a viewing screen, with a five-year warranty for a very, very good price. This will be the absolute final opportunity to purchase an Exodus render. Um, the Exodus render is their bulletproof cell camera. It stood the test of time between the five-year warranty, five-year theft and damage coverage, best-in-class customer service. The render quickly became the favorite of thousands of trail cam enthusiasts. The last time you can buy a, a render, guys. I mean, this is it. So if you've been on the fence about getting one, thinking about it, this is the absolute time to get it. Um, if you're looking for a cell cam that can take awesome video, this is this is the puppy that you want, man. Um, it's just like the Lift 2. Um, really, really good camera on it. Takes really good HD video. Um, just a badass option for uh, cell cam at video mode. Uh, but make sure and check out that excess vault. Don't miss out on the savings. Um, you can still use the podcast code um, if you would like, WLP or WL, I apologize, WL, um, and that I still support the show and show that I brought you there. Next, Rec Broadheads. You guys know I'm supporting my buddy Matt um, from Rec. I'm shooting the two-blade uh, mechanical. I'm excited to get my hands on some of the, the fixed blade. I'm hearing really good stuff about it. Um, just excited to shoot ahead that I'm uh, – have really, really, you know, I'm, I'm really, really proud to shoot because I'm supporting a good friend of mine, Made in America, but I'm just confident in the head's going to work, man. It's it just, it's a solid head, got a big chisel point on it. Um, and like I said, I, I love the fact that I get to support my friends. That's what this show's been about forever is just like Good Set Mobile, just support my buddy, man. He started, you know, started, Brian started something just like Matt did. I'm trying to make a couple extra bucks to be able to hunt a couple longer and and uh, help guys be successful in the field and and that's what that's what Rec does, man. Um, so if you guys are in the market for some broadheads, make sure and use that code WLP15 save you 15% at checkout. Um, next on the list, I have a couple to get get with you guys, but if you guys are in the thermal game. I don't know if you've ever been thermal coyote hunting, but my god, it's so much fun. It's the absolute it's almost as fun as big buck hunting, but it's less stressful. So it's just like hanging out with your buddies at night. You know, the kids are sleeping. Um, and if you've been wanting to get into a thermal and not sure exactly what you wanted to get into, um, I have an option for you now to be able to to purchase a thermal from Dark Night Outdoors. Um, my buddy Garrett hooked me up with this, and uh, I'm excited to offer that. Um, with WL23... You can save 50 bucks off an optic or 25% off all accessories. So thermals are crazy expensive. Once you have one, you have it. But, man, saving 50 bucks, it's 50 bucks. You know what I mean? And uh, Dark Knight Outdoors, um, they, they're, a, they're a thermal company that's just starting up. Some really solid dudes. I'm going to have them on the show coming down the, uh, uh, the line. Um, so if you want the accessories, it is W. WL23A, if you want 50 bucks off an optic, it's WL23. Just another code to save you guys some money. If you're looking to get in a thermal, they have a shitload of options. Check them out. Um, uh, but, yeah, use that code. That'll help me out as well, help support the show. And the very last one, I am super proud to announce that uh, I and the podcast are with First Form Outdoors, um, First Form Supplements. They have an outdoor brand as outdoor site as well that I'm associated with, but 
Um, I'm here for you guys. That's the main mission. I'm not trying to sell you guys anything here. I'm getting educated from the best in the business. I've, I already know quite a bit of what the supplements do, what takes, what what works for me, what does this, what does that. Um, this is my chance to literally give back to you guys and help you guys. So I'm calling out all the dads out there that are tired when they get off work, are tired when they're playing with their kids. Um, you know who you are, are tired when you're out there hunting, you're wearing out quicker, you're realizing that it's catching up on you. And I was shit, I was there, man. I was 45 pounds overweight, not being able to keep up with my kids. Um, and I had to learn all this stuff, you know, just off off the rip. And I had my buddy Garrett from Last Breath, he helped me out a bunch. Jesse Hines helped me out a bunch. Um, homie helped me out a bunch when he was learning stuff. I had guys to reach out to to learn about these supplements, learn about working out, learn about what I could do, not even working out, just to better myself, um, to make me feel better. And in the long run, that's what we all want to do. We want to feel better. We want to be better for our kids, better for our family. So this is my call out to all the dads out there that are struggling. You know, you, you know, it's hard to talk about shit when you're a dude. You, you, feel, you feel like you got, you got this shit covered. But you know if you're slipping. You know if you're feeling like you're not doing good enough. Um, I'm not asking you to buy anything. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm just asking you to reach out and chat with me and see if I can help. That's my main goal with all this. I had the opportunity to educate myself by the best people in the business um, with the option to help other people. Um, so I'm really excited to be able to host that on this show. Um, and have the option to literally help people. I'm, I'm not trying to sell anything here, guys. I'm literally trying to sell a better lifestyle for you. Um, and I, I'm going to challenge, I want five guys or women, I don't care, I want five dads to message me. Just talk about life, man. Talk about, you know, I'll, talk, I'll tell you what I'm struggling on. You can tell me what you're struggling on. We can go through it. We can figure out if there's anything that I can do to help you. Any, any products I can suggest to help you, any workouts, any sleep patterns, anything like that, um, do not be afraid to reach out to me. I have this platform of this podcast, and if you guys noticed, I've just kind of been going through the rhythm of it this year, just going through the motions, putting episodes out, doing the thing. Um, I want it to be more, and I've kind of figured out how I wanted to go about it, and people were asking me, are you still going to run it, and this and that. I'm here but my new mission is I want to educate people about deer hunting and I want to help them out in life. I don't care what the hell it is. I had this platform that's reaching all these people and I want to make an impact positively in people's lives other than just hunting knowledge. So I challenge five of you. Are you going to be one of the five to message me and say, Hey, message in from the podcast, you know, uh, looking, looking to learn a little bit more about your health, a little bit more about first form, whatever it is, man. I want to be that guy. I want to be the Garrett. I want to be the, the, the Grant. I want to be the Jesse. I want to be the homie that helps you. I want to be that. And I'm looking for the guys, gals to do that. If that's you, reach out to me and we'll chat. That's all I got to say about that. But, yes, I am um, brought to you by First Form, which is awesome to say. I've been using it for years and really excited to have this opportunity. I think that's it. Um, I have another one coming soon, guys. I, the opportunities. Um, if you if you just show up and do the steps, the opportunities will come. And that's what happened just over the past month, man. I just slugged through, put the episodes out, and, man, the opportunities came. And I uh, couldn't be more blessed and more excited to 
to have these opportunities to do this and 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 run this show for you guys i really appreciate all you guys tuning in like always but let's get in the show with brian <laughs> but uh had you on the show multiple times always a great guest good buddy of mine so i love chatting with you anyways um, appreciate you spending some time with me to talk about october 25th to november 1st this is the absolute like this is the playoffs right here. We're getting ready to go to the, the you know, the, the Super Bowl. But this is the playoff time where you know, a lot of shit can happen. But it's about to be the best time in the woods coming up. But uh, before we get into it, you know, do a brief introduction of who you are and uh, do a brief introduction of Good Set Mobile while I got you on the line. Yeah, so uh, my name is Brian Rogers. Uh, a lot of you guys, if you've listened before, have heard me uh, kind of tell uh, my uh, – my story a little bit, but basically, uh, over 20 years of mobile hunting experience on public land, um, cut my teeth, you know, at a very young age hunting and hunting, hunting public ground. And, uh, I, uh, you know, bought my first, uh, lone wolf climber set up back when I was like, uh, 18. And, uh, you know, I had been using steel death trap climbers from the time I was probably about 15 or 16. So I've, and I even, uh, I, my first ever big buck encounter was on the ground with my bow at like 30 yards, uh, took a shot, uh, in the wide open kind of white tail adrenaline style way back in the day. And then, uh, my first big buck I ever actually connected with was on the ground, leaned up against a, uh, a, a tree. And my first two deer that I ever killed was October 1st, two years in a row, um, both in overlooked spots. And, uh, all of these terms were not even known about back when I was doing this. I was just hunting, but uh, just ate, been ate up with it my whole life. And uh, if I can ever find somebody that will listen to me talk about this stuff, I will definitely take them up on it. So yeah, there's not very many people that are more ate up with it than you. Um, I mean, you you did an observation set already, didn't you? Crazy, you're out there. Yeah, getting it. I mean, we're pre-recording this so people know, but yeah, you're you're out there putting in the work already. So probably yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't, and so I, I went out up into this big old cottonwood the other, uh, when was it? Sunday. And, uh, I knew something dropped, you know, you always lose or break something. I broke a, a clip for holding my sticks and then, uh, something else dropped and I didn't know what it was. I was going through my gear today and, uh, uh, before work and realized that I had lost half of my grunt tube. And I swear to God, I've lost <laughs> probably 10 halves of grunt tubes yeah. in my life, dude. Yeah. So that's always the worst when you're digging your backpack, you're like, I got half a grunt tube here. <laughs> yeah, like I was, I was like, I, I was going through it. I'm like, what the hell, man? Every one of these things I buy, I lose half of it. Yeah, yep. Seems like what well, I, what I go through, and it seems like they get cheaper and cheaper too. <laughs> yeah, you like can't, can't find the one you want, but there's like 13 other ones that are just junk uh, <laughs> in the store. <laughs> yeah, so I, I anyway, I went up there because. I actually, uh, if you, if any of you guys follow me on uh, Facebook or Instagram, I jumped a, a really big deer, probably fifties, maybe sixties deer, like looks like possible 14 pointer, maybe even more, um, really nice frame. And I was out scouting, um, and hanging cams. And, and I said, I looked over, I was going up this, this draw that went up into elevation and was meeting up with this timber line. And, uh, all of a sudden I ran into the first Oaks and, uh, I looked over in this, and the transition line right along the edge of the, the, uh, finger. And I said, man, there's gotta be a buck or a buck bed, not a buck. I thought I said, there's definitely going to be a bed right there where those oaks are dropping. And sure enough, I look up and at 10 yards, there's a giant hunkered down in the, in the, in the, uh, 
brush like a rabbit waiting for me to go by. And once I started filming him and he realized I wasn't going anywhere, he, he got out of there, but, uh, got some good footage, went inside the, uh, the timber. And, uh, it's funny because it was the day that, uh, my, that podcast I did with Jake Bush dropped. And I was talking about how mock scrapes need to be used sparingly and they're kind of overrated and stuff like that. And I went inside the woods and made a mock scrape and threw up my cell cam and got him the next morning. So that's kind of why I was out doing the observation sit. Cause I'd only got him that one morning and then I hadn't seen him. So I really wanted to try and try and locate him, put eyes on him and keep tabs on him. Yeah. Well, that's a great time to do it and it'd get you like, get a good dry run on your gear anyways, while you're out there. So. Yeah. And actually that, that, that's, that's exactly, that's the perfect point. I was like, I, I came home afterwards and no matter how many times you do this, you're like, you're going through all your shit like man this needs to change this needs to be silenced this didn't work and it's way better to get that stuff out of the way now yeah for sure all right well let's talk about why we're here october 25th to the first like i said um, people are hunting right now this is a time to be out there a lot of people are starting their vacation this week i have some of my best hunts um during this time and the next you know three four days after this seem to be very very good so um, October 25th through the 1st, what are the Bucks doing? Yeah, so they are, their testosterone is at an all-time high, right? It's, they are leading up to this point where the the first does are starting to come into estrus. And sometimes you get that early doe that'll come in, you know, middle of October, late October. But uh, for the most part, uh, you know, they're going to come in in that uh, early November time frame. So, as their test every day, their testosterone's growing and growing as you get closer to that uh, first doe coming into estrus. So they are ramped up. They got a lot of they got a lot of energy, and uh, they got nowhere to put it. So they're starting to lay down a lot more sign. Um, and, uh, and and a really key thing to note is they're starting to move closer to uh, you know to daylight a lot of the times, like moving farther a lot of times during daylight, and. I think the most important thing to note is they are a lot closer to does. Whereas before in the early season, um, they want to kind of be uh, a little bit more reclusive. They want to be away from the younger bucks and the does and just kind of uh, sit there, feed, get fat, stay alive and get ready for this time of year. So. Yeah, I agree. Definitely out there. Um, and, you know, more active during the daylight. Uh, what's your opinions on mornings during this time of the year? So I, that's the thing is they, if you get a cold front in that late October in a morning, it can be really fire. Um, because I do think that they are starting to get back to their beds, uh, a little bit later, a lot of the times. Um, the other thing too, is they're, when they're bedding to me, when they're bedding closer to the does, they're a little bit more susceptible to those morning hunts. Just like that first buck I killed last year. He's coming back. He was coming back into his his bed like around nine o'clock, um, and I had I had other bucks hitting. He had hit the scrape at like eight thirty, which was a couple hundred yards away. When I went to check it later, buck I killed hit the, hit that scrape at like eight thirty, and so did some other bucks, you know, throughout the morning. And so they're fired up and they're wanting to go and check scrapes um, and check, you know, uh, doe bedding. And, and ultimately go sit near the doe bedding that time of year. So uh, for me, 
I, I really, really do start to like mornings that time of year, as well as with those rising thermals when you're hunting those bedding areas. Um, it, it can really, really help you when, when you're not having to worry about your scent drift down into where they're, where they're going to be moving. Yeah, this that's exactly what my opinion too. These, you get a cold spell during this time of the year, and you know where one could be bedding. Um, this is like the ultimate grand slam, slam dunk moment. You know, if you can get in there, and a lot of times, um, like you said, they're up moving. They're not in the field, so you can get across the field. You know, they're back in the timber. They're working those scrapes, checking those doe bedding, just trying to make sure nothing's coming in early kind of getting a feel for still what's in the area. Um, and like I said, it's they're going to go to bed, um, you know, but this is going to be a little later. So this is absolutely – I've had a lot of good hunts this time of year in the morning where you're so close to getting it done, you know, but you, they, it always seems like this time of year they're, you either got a buck that's really – really really tuned in to calls or doesn't like them at all like they've already heard them or this is the perfect time to grunt one over and or you know check it out in the morning before he's going to bed because that's a yeah. lot of, that's a lot of the game man it's just just getting your eyes on one and and being able to call to it or see where it goes that can change your whole entire season right there a absolutely last year i killed both my bucks in the time frame that we're talking about um and, and in two totally different kind of situations that morning buck, um, when I got up in there, I knew that I was at that X of movement uh, uh, for uh, where the bucks are going to be crossing near that doe bedding. And my thought process since when I went in there, that there wasn't a tree close to that X uh, where I could necessarily hang because it was just like a lot of like black locusts and jump trees that weren't weren't really climbable. Uh, so my thought process was I was going to get to a vantage point where I could see a lot. And if I saw some, if I saw a lot of movement coming out of somewhere else, I might go over there and investigate and see what was going on or put myself in a position where I could still capitalize there or possibly even call something in. And uh, that's exactly what happened. He crossed that X of movement. Uh, but see, they, they kind of meander around in the morning because, you know, they're hanging around those does waiting for him to come in, but they're not ready yet, you know? Yeah. So they're fired up and they're not really in the evening. They they're on a mission. They're up. They're going to go hit their scrape, you know, and then they're going to they're going to head straight for uh, either another scrape or food. Right. And so a lot of the times I feel like they're not necessarily as callable in the evening as in the morning. Doesn't mean it's always the case. But like that morning time frame, he was he was coming in fired up. He was rubbing his antlers. He was grunting. And then I was able to capitalize on that because he didn't have anywhere to put that aggression. So of course he's going to come over and investigate. Yeah, one hundred percent. the The ability to call is huge because you could be right on the edge of where you think you need to be, but you're like, man, I'm not one hundred percent sure. And this time of the year, like you said, if you got a buck that's you can throw a grunt out, there's nothing more powerful this time of year than than a grunt in my eyes. If you got a buck. I haven't had very good luck over the past few years, but years prior to that, I've had incredible success just grunting at deer this time of year and then coming right in to check it out. You know, just one single, like, burp, and then they were like, oh, you know, coming right absolutely. in. Absolutely. And then and then you think about those thermals, too. They can't – so if you grunt to a buck in the evening, a lot of times he can get downwind of you. Your thermals are dropping, and he's going to catch you. And in the morning, he can't do that. Um, and last year, both my bucks – uh, were shot on an east wind, which you've heard other people talk about it, and it was actually the first thing that brought 
East winds to my attention and bucks and, you know, deer in general don't always set up for that East wind. Um, you know, their bedding oftentimes isn't set up for that East wind. So I think that that helps out a lot too. when you get kind of a weird wind, um, for where they're bedding at. Yeah, I agree. All right. Next question. If you could have the dream scenario for this time of year, what would it be? Um, if I could have the dream scenario for this time of year, well, I would like to have historical data of a big buck hitting a scrape uh, multiple times in daylight um, in that last five days of the season. And I would like for him to be uh, betting close, but not close enough to the scrape to where he's going to bust me. And I would really like to have um, some kind of drainage or something to slip in and pop up to that uh, scrape and sit all day. Sit all day on that scrape, huh? That's what, that was my next question um, for all all day sits, but we'll hold off on that one. So you're wanting you're wanting a buck, you want to know on a a buck is active on a scrape that you can get in there and hunt. So you're going in there at dark and you're planning on setting that scrape all day in case he gets up anytime during the day to freshen that scrape up. If I can, but so I would like, I would oftentimes I'll hunt that evening movement if I know that that's when he likes to hit it. But also I guess dream scenario last year, I kind of had my dream scenario that I'm talking about is being over a scrape that I know lots of good, big bucks like to daylight at towards that end of October timeframe. I like to stack my odds in my favor of not just a deer I'm chasing, but also other big bucks in the area that could possibly pop in. And so in a situation like that, I'd sit all day. But if um, if I knew that there was just a specific buck and he liked to hit it at a specific time, I might just focus in on that time. Yeah, I, a couple of years ago when I killed the big eight on the Suburban piece, um, that deer was in there at like 1230 hitting the scrape, 230 hitting the scrape. Um, and it was, you know, this time frame during this uh, this part of the, the year there, uh, the 25th, 26th. Um, so if you got a scrape that's in the cover close to bedding, I think it's a, you know, it's you can you could kill there um, any time of the day. It's just depending on if you can get set there all day without getting busted for that evening movement with, you know, if the wind's going to change or if the thermals are going to change. That's the tough part, I believe. But. Um, is there any other incidents where you're going to do an all day sit during this time of year, or are you going to stick to the mornings and the evenings? Yeah. A lot of the times I, I'm going morning or evening this time of year only because I don't think that you're going to get that midday movement of long, of long, a lot of long lining of movement. I know that's, uh, like Gary and, uh, Eric and, and Cody, they all use that term long lining. Um, and I, they, they're, they, when they talk to me about it now, it's kind of part of my repertoire. But uh, uh, like when during the during the later phases of the rut, you'll get a lot more long lines of movement of bucks traveling farther. I feel like, and I feel like they like just because they're bedding near the does doesn't mean they're moving all day from doe bedding group to doe bedding group necessarily because they still know that the bucks aren't or that the does aren't going to be quite ready. So. Just they're fired up, and they're, they're, there's more daytime movement. There's more sign being laid down, but I don't think there's those long lines of movements like you get later into November. There. Yeah, I agree. I'm more of a a morning. Um, I will stretch the morning out pretty long, um, and then kind of get down and and uh, rather you know make a move for the evening or pull some cams or 
go to a different property and pull some cans and try to make a plan on what you're going to do. Because during this time of the year, intel is huge. If you can get some intel, you know, a buck was there hitting that scrape like yesterday, like he, there's a good chance he might hit that scrape again if the conditions are the same. Now, yeah. five, six days from now, you can't do that. I, yeah, I don't think there's another time of the year. And that's kind of why I chose this this time as being kind of my favorite. I don't know that there's another time of the year that a buck is more is going to be more patternable off of historic data. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the second to that would be during the uh, the peak of the rut. Um, but I think it's you have to sit more days to catch them in the same line of movement. What I mean is, like right now. It, or in this time frame, if I was to know that a buck was there within, you know, one day, I feel like one day either side of that or that day the next year he would hit it. And when you get into that peak rut time frame, I feel like you can kind of lengthen that to like a five to seven day period. And again, there's no such thing as always or never when it comes to deer hunting. But kind of as a general rule, if I know a buck came into a certain doe bedding area in the peak of the rut, I might sit there for a week of all day sits trying to connect with him. Whereas I'm expecting to see that buck pretty, pretty close to the day I saw him during this end time, uh, end of October timeframe. Yeah, I agree too. This, this time frame, especially on scrapes or, you know, a buck's cruising an area, it seems like they're hold tight. They're not in that frantic running around everywhere mode yet. They're kind of holding their area still working their scrapes and checking the doe bedding that they're, they know at this time um, because like you said, there isn't a, there might be a few does in, but few and far between, but they're not in that frantic. I got to breed does right now. They're in that searching for that first one kind of, kind of mentality. So they're going to do the same things, especially if they've been safe doing it the year before. So like you said, this is the best time of year to capitalize on, a, you know, a historical data on a scrape, historical data on a pinch point, when I use pinch points different there this time of year than I would, you know, eight days from now or six days from now, I'm doing pinch points into bedding, pinch points off of ag into doe bedding, pinch points off of ag into, um, you know, into buck bedding. I'm not setting like a pin, a creek pinch in between two fields like I would possibly in a few days. Um, but there's a lot of stuff like if you if you seen a buck working an edge back to bedding on a cold morning during this time of the year last year, there's a good chance he's going to be doing the same thing, um, working that edge back to bedding during this time frame, like you, like you mentioned. Yeah. And, and like, um, when we talk dream scenario too, like a cold front on the last week of October yeah. and you have a scrape with historical data, that is what you're looking for. Now, if you don't have historical data, you can go in and set up over, um, fresh sign or, a really good uh, meeting of trails coming out of like, if you have two doe bedding areas or two points that you know that does and bucks like to bed off of, and they meet up um, in some way, shape or form, whether that's two points of a ridge or two fingers of timber or something like that, that meet up, that could be a dynamite spot as well. If you don't have any historic data, I would definitely seek out that, uh, you know, when you hear people talking about community scrapes, this is their time to shine. Um, you know, the rest of the time of the year, they're great, um, for inventory, but bucks aren't necessarily hitting them in the daylight mm -hmm. because usually they're a little bit further out from where bucks like to travel in the daylight, but this is their time to shine. 
And one other thing that I wanted to mention during this time frame that got me last year was, um, you know, if you do set on those scrapes, um, be mindful of the downwind area of those because a lot of times these bucks might not hit that scrape, but their scent check it downwind. Um, and I've seen that firsthand last year. Um, I've heard people, you know, they J-hook them and get the scent and then come in. Well, this this buck didn't even want to hit the scrape. He just wanted to check them downwind. And um, what should have been a 25-yard shot was a 45-yard shot. And, you know, I hit a limb on the on the buck. So keep that in mind. I remember talking to you about that, yeah. yeah. Keep that in mind that they might backdoor just scent these you know, wind sent these scrapes to see if, you know, there's any action on them or, you know, any, any good smelling scent from a doe on that scrape in the area. Um, you know, and sometimes they go up there and, and tear them up. Just like you said, there is no, this is the way with whitetail hunting, they're all individuals, but that's the first time I've ever had that during this time of year where he just, there's three scrapes and he'd rather just scent check them all individually than actually go and work any of them. I, I so. find that, uh, your older bucks and especially in like hill country, um, tend to do that more, um, than your younger bucks, your younger bucks. I mean, I have a lot of older bucks that go right up in the scrape and we'll work it, but, but usually as it, as it's really getting to that point and the big bucks kind of know that they're not quite ready yet, but they're fired up too, you know? So I think as they go through more seasons and they know the time frame when that's going to happen, they're just going the downwind and they're letting those thermals suck down and they don't have to go right up there and scent check it. They can, they can, their whole idea is to cover more ground with less energy and less time. You know what yeah, I mean? So, yeah. and that's exactly what this deer is doing. Instead of injury checking them, he just hit all three of them in one pass. And it was crazy that he actually stopped and, you know, put his nose up on every, like they were probably spread out 15, 20 yards apart towards the, towards the east of me. Mm-hmm. And, and he stopped, you know, downwind of each one and scent checked them. And I was like, this is nuts. You know, it's just something that I've never seen. And uh, when you see big bucks do big buck stuff, it's cool. Cause then you're like, okay, a lot of bucks are probably doing this, but it's not something, you know, until you actually see, see a buck do it. Big, uh, big bucks are different creatures, man. They check scrapes different. They check doe bedding different. They travel, they travel different. Like everything about them is different. So when you're, when you're gauging what a big buck's going to do, you got to really look at what the rest of the herd's doing and, and try and separate them from that. Yeah, it's like, you know, you got a cell cam on one of those scrapes or a trail cam on one of those scrapes. He ain't been on that trail cam all year, but that doesn't mean he's not scent checking that scrape, you know, or, or in the area in general. I feel like a lot of people put a lot of cred in the in the cams when then you go out there and hunt and you see 10 bucks and none of them went, went in front of the cam, you know. <laughs> well. That big, that big buck I killed last year, the bigger one, I had a uh, cell cam over the community scrape that I always monitor, and then I always put a camera back. There's another trail that actually runs what would be the downwind side as long as you have just thermals taking place instead of the wind, and I get a lot of movement, a big buck movement on that other one, and that big buck I killed, uh, I didn't have him the whole year on the community scrape, but I had him on the 26th in there on that uh, that other camera i found out after i went back to check it after i killed him and then he came through the same spot he was at a year before and so he never go- went up and necessarily hit that scrape he always just went near it so again big bucks do big buck stuff you just you don't want to just centralize your cameras on just that scrape because like like you said 
they're going to, a lot of them are going to go downwind of it and just keep on going. Yeah. And you're going to think, man, nothing's been in this scrape at all, but you know, they're, they're in the area, just, you know, the does are hitting it, small bucks are hitting it and they're getting all the info they need from the wind and just cruising by. But um, well, and like, and like we, me and you have talked about before, if, if anybody's listening, one thing you should really look out for, I know I said the community scrapes, they, they get hot. But um, if you can find, like I talked about, where you get two doe bedding points meeting and you got one of those uh, scrapes where you just have the uh, branches broken, um, you know, like the licking branches broken with, you know, a couple of years worth of licking branches seem to be broken and then regrown and broken. And you might have a little bit of pawed out at the base, but not a whole lot. A lot of the times those can still be really fired because those bucks might just, like you said, be traveling the downwind side or just going right past them and scent checking them. Yeah, like I said, I've. I mentioned to you before on a previous episode that when I scouted doe bedding this year, I did it different. I went and looked for those scrapes, you know, on each prevailing wind, I found one of those little tiny scrapes on the, you know, each downwind side of it. And I'm like, you know, I've been monitoring this community scrape in the middle and getting bucks at dark, you know, and mm-hmm. does, but these bucks are probably doing the same thing that buck did last year and just, you know, working this edge and then just kind of putting their little, uh, little aggression scrape you know is what i call it like you know they're just kind of breaking out some of their their mojo and uh mm-hmm. and tearing some trees up um and then that really gets me excited when you start seeing like a lot of those like pencil size finger sized trees and they're all just dis- destroyed like torn in half broke off and uh then you're like okay something's in here he's fired up he's not on this scrape it tells you he's going downwind of it and you kind of put the sign together and, and say, okay, if I hunt that scrape, he's going to bust me, and I'm not even going to see this deer. But if I go downwind where I can't even see that community scrape and hunt this small edge trail with this little scrape on it, I'm, I got a good opportunity of, of at least knowing when he's coming through. Um, so I'm going to run more cams on those this year than I am the community scrapes and just see if my theory is true. That's the thing about hunting. You don't know what is actually true and what you're just coming up in your mind until you verify it. And then, like you said, I, every buck's going to be a little different as well. So some of them are going to be doing it. And some of them are going to be going right to the community scrape. So I think a lot of it's pressure based too. I mean, I think it's what the deer have encountered throughout their lives. If they've lived their whole lives being very pressured, then they act differently than um, a deer that, you know, isn't, is, you know, is lightly pressured, let's say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. And the same thing is, that, you know, you see that giant community scrape, you know, if you're on public land or someone's probably already hunted that thing. Like it's a, it's a beacon. It's like a bat signal out there of, you know, there's a lot of deer using this scrape, probably should set over it, you know, and maybe they've got winded or set up on it wrong or got busted drawing or something. And that dope, that buck's like, I'm not using that thing anymore, you know? So, yeah. And, and, um, when I started the, this, uh, uh, podcast episode off talking about that i put up a mock scrape for that buck um when i do a mock scrape i don't make the big giant mock scrape i don't i mean i have hung you know branches and stuff before but oftentimes i like to just find a natural already used licking branch in an area that already looks like it should have a scrape in it and then just paw out a decent little circle that looks natural and let that ride so it's not a huge beacon to other hunters yeah um that you know hey we got to set up over this giant you know car hood scrape so if i eat if i do it i still try not to make it too crazy noticeable unless it's in 
um, you know, like a spot that's really, I feel like it's not going to get any pressure. Sometimes I will go out of my way if I need to redirect the movement. Um, I will go out of my way to make sure that it's a scrape that I think that the deer will hit. But most of the time, I'm really trying to make it just look natural if I do one at all. Yeah, I've, I've gone to that too where, you know, I used to take the rake out there, rake out a big area. Now I just kind of brush the stuff away and I do the same thing as you. I'm looking for licking branch over anything else. I mean, that's that's where you want to start with that is if, if it's got a good licking branch already established and you can tell, and a lot of times they're hitting it during the summer and there's no, no scraping below, but I've already seen open scrapes this year you know, here, you know, mid-September. So mm-hmm. um, they're they're out there, like you said, and when you find one this time of year, like you said, they're more, sometimes it's more of aggressive deer that's, um, you know, they got they got the hard horns about to come on, so now they're getting getting kind of funky. But all right, man, well, let's wrap this up. Um, if Right before we finish this, if there's one thing that you could tell someone um, to help them just push over that edge to be successful during this time frame, what do you think it would be? Um. You need to, when you're scouting uh, for your buck beds, understand, try and look for the difference between early season um, beds and beds that are more near doe, doe groups that are overlooking doe groups or uh, sign that has to relate to this time of year as opposed to early season. Uh, your early season sign very often is going to be more near like oak flats and things of that nature uh, or early season, uh, you know, like beans and things like that. And then, when you're looking at different sign uh, that's near your doe bedding areas, uh, you need to be able to identify that so that you can move in when the time is right and not go in there and booger up uh, like the does and stuff like that before it's time. Great advice to wrap this up. All right, brother. I appreciate your time. Yep. Thank you, buddy. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Brian. I know I did. I'm going to be out there slugging along going to be coming at you every single day towards the end of this series, middle end there. Um, Guys, it's freaking time. It's freaking here. Let's rip. Let's get out there. Let's kill some giant bucks. Let's have some fun. Let's hunt, dude. Let's freaking hunt, dude. It's time. It's time to rip. Um, Same thing again. I mentioned at the beginning. I love you guys. Appreciate you tuning in to the show every week. Got some messages last week about guys that were successful that listened to the show and we motivate them to get out there and hunt. There's nothing better than just knowing that you had an impact on someone's life and, you know, they killed the biggest buck of their life like this guy did. So, man, that's just so incredible. Um, but like like I said before, I'm still challenging those five dads. You listened all the way through the end. You're here at the end. Reach out. Let's chat, man. Let's let's better each other. And uh, ho- I want to be that guy for you. And I want to be that guy that gets you started on the right steps. And two years, you look down the road and um, you're like, man, it all started from a an Instagram message or a Facebook message or whatever, man. Email me, Instagram me, Facebook me, whatever you need to do. Um, I love you guys. Always try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy. White Tail Legacy is out. Until I'm coming in your ear holes. October 27th for the first day of the Rutcation podcast episodes. Here we go, boy. Go kill a big buck. Let's go.